0: It's good to see all of you come out this morning. We uh, we still got several that are sick among us. I'm sure you can look around and tell. I got two at home sick, uh, so I ask you to pray for my family. And uh, it was just Austin yesterday with strep throat, but then I uh, got up this morning and uh, Chassie hadn't got up out of bed yet, so I went and took her temperature, and it was over a hundred, so she's sick. And uh, so um, it's just going around everywhere. But um, one of those things we have to fight it sometimes, and so uh, something we have to deal with. But uh, continue to pray for each other. I know. Doris is home with um, I think two of hers got the flu and strep and, uh, and so it, it's a lot of us has, it is going around So I um, ask you to just keep remembering everybody in your prayers And if you see somebody that's not here today Make a phone call, check on them, see how they're doing And make sure everything's okay I know they would appreciate it If you have your Bible this morning, and I hope that you do Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 5 Ephesians chapter 5 We're going to read verses 10 through 21 And if you have the means and you're able, um, stand for the reading of God's Word. If you're not able, just remain seated whichever way you need to to do it this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to read verses 10 through 21. Starting at verse 10, it says, And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. Right? You come in a room, you turn the light switch on, you see, right? It becomes visible when it's exposed by the light. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, And arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Well, since Christ has shone on you, look carefully then how you walk. Not as unwise or fools, is what uh, some versions say. Not as unwise and not as fools, but as wise. Making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery or ungodly living, or it leads to ungodly living. But instead, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. You can be seated. As you're seated, let's pray. Father, I come to you this morning. Lord, this is your word. Lord, this is you speaking to us. And Father, I'm I'm asking you this morning that, that you would just declare to all of us, me included, what it is that you want us to see in this. Father, what is it that that you want us to receive, and what is it that you want us to apply to our lives, God. So I, I, I just pray, God, that you would cause this word to accomplish the purpose that you sent it out for. Father, I, um, I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your grace, especially in my life. God, I know that I am the least worthy one that, is, that should be standing here right now. But thank you for your grace. Thank you for your undeserved mercy. Thank you for the light that you have shown on my life, Father, that, Lord, has made visible the things that don't belong, and thank you for the wisdom that you've given me to to practice the things that do belong, the things that bring you glory. Father, I pray this morning that you help us to see more of that in this message this morning. Lord, you change us, you make us exactly what you want us to be according to your word. And, Father, we'll be careful to give you all the praise for everything that is done here this morning. Lord, we love you and we ask for these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Today I'm going to um, I'm going to wrap up my part on the worthy walk that we've been reading about in Ephesians chapter four. Next week, Nick will take over with the worthy walk of the family and what it looks like in for the, the wife to walk worthy, the husband to walk worthy, children, master servants, and all the relationships outside of um, church relations, if you will, but still affect what we do in the church and still affect how God gets glory in the ministries we've been given and in the the way that we've been created. And so I'm praying this morning that you will be prepared to come in here as husbands, as wives, as children, as, um, as workers that have masters, or maybe you're the boss and you have people that work for you. All of those things are addressed in the upcoming section. And I pray that you are prepared to come here in here to see how you as a Christian can walk worthy of the calling that God has called you to in bringing Him glory in all of the places that He puts you in this life. And I promise you, you'll learn something if you come. So, so tonight, today, I'm going to wrap up my part of it. But I want to give you a very quick recap. You might remember that in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 that Paul is basically opening up Ephesians by helping us to understand this is who you are in Jesus Christ. This is who God declares you to be because of the calling that he has placed on your life. When he opened your eyes to your sin condition against him. When he And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you ain't received the calling. I don't say that as an insult, I say that so that hopefully you're praying this morning that you can understand and that your heart will be open to it. But for those of you that have heard the call of God, you know what I mean when I say, He opened your eyes to see your sin and the consequences of that, of where you stood with Him. And then you heard the gospel, the good news that Christ came to pay for all of your offenses, And for all of those who put their faith and their trust in Him, God justifies you and declares you not guilty of your sin. And so this morning, Paul starts Ephesians in chapters 1 through 3, and he says, guys, you, if you've heard the calling, if your eyes have been opened to your sin, if you have heard the gospel and you've put your faith and your trust in it, and you believe it with all of your heart, then I want you to know this morning that you were chosen before the foundations of the earth were ever created. I want you to know this morning that you have been redeemed. You have been purchased and bought back from your sin condition. And I want you to know this morning that you have been adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High God. I want you to know this morning that you are an equal heir with Jesus Christ Himself with all of the riches of God Almighty. I want you to know this morning that you have been forgiven of every sin you have ever committed and every sin you ever will commit from here to the end of your life. I want you to know that because of your faith in Christ, because of the calling that God has placed on your life, you are now a saved, born-again child of the Most High God. And now in light of that whole holy high calling... In chapter 4, he begins and he says, In light of that calling, this is how you walk so that you live up to the call that he's placed on your life. You've already been called. This is already who you are. But in light of the fact that this is such a high calling, live and walk this way. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, you don't have to turn there. You should remember it, but if you have your Bible, you can. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 2 and 3, he tells us that this walk, this worthy walk, is a walk of lowliness. It's a walk of humility. It's a walk of understanding that I don't deserve this calling. I deserve the exact opposite of this calling. I deserve to be the enemy of God. I deserve to, be, um, to have to pay for my offenses and all of my sin. I deserve to have to spend an eternity... Paying for this offense because my offense is against an eternal God. And that's how long it will take to pay for this offense. And that's what I deserve. And so I walk this walk in humility. And then in, um, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 and 24, he tells us that we are to walk like a new creation in Christ. So we walk in humility, but then we also don't walk the way that we used to walk, the way that the rest of the world walks. They walk in futile minds, in uselessness. All other ground is sinking sand. That's what they walk in. They follow the desires of their hearts, the desires of their mind. They go the direction, whatever makes me feel good and whatever makes me happy, that is the wisest choice for me. And he says it's futile. It's meaningless. It don't amount to anything. It comes up empty every single time. And so don't walk that away anymore. Now walk in the new image of Jesus Christ. Walk in this new life that He's given us. It's a new creation that God is creating in you with renewed minds and renewed hearts and in His ways. And then He tells us in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, He says, walk in love. Be an imitator of God and walk in love. Love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering of sacrifice to God. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 8, he tells us to walk as children of light. Walk as children of light. In other words, you're no longer darkness, you've been called out of this darkness. So now walk like you are children of the light. The whole point I'm trying to show you here is that from Ephesians chapter 4 all the way to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 9. It kind of makes a shift in verse 9. But Ephesians chapter 4 all the way through Ephesians chapter 6 verse 9 is all about because of your calling and how high this calling is to be a child of the Most High God, delivered from all of your offenses against Him, delivered from darkness into light, because of this calling, now walk this way. And so we sum up today in Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. I know I started in 10 this morning, but I'm going to try to wrap it all up so that you can see the big picture here. Paul sums up the walk of our relationships inside the church. Before he moves into the family, even though they also are inside the church, and he addresses this because it addresses the way that they bring glory to God, he sums up the relationships of how we relate as brothers and sisters in the church. He sums it up by saying this right here in verse 14. He says, anything that becomes, For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Here's what he's saying. This is the invitation. For those of you that don't understand what I'm talking about, about this calling, you've never felt this call on your life to understand that I am a sinner against a holy God, and I am under His wrath if I don't get payment made for this offense. If you don't understand that call this morning... This is your invitation. Paul says that, therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from your dead. In other words, if you will hear this call, that you are in darkness because of your sin, and you are under the wrath of God, then he says, wake up. Open your eyes and see it. And when you see it, when God opens your eyes and He allows your heart to be able to experience this, He says, Christ will do what? Christ will shine on you. Here's what he wants you to understand. If you are a born-again believer this morning, Christ is shining on you. Every time you hear his word through your daily walk with the Holy Spirit, you're in situations to where you know that this is not where I belong as a Christian. This is not living worthy of my calling. And so Christ is shining on you. And he's showing you that I'm going to make visible and I'm going to expose all of the things that are darkness in your life that are not for God but are against God. And so as Christ is shining on you, for those of you that have already received that invitation, and Christ is shining on you, he says in verse 15, look carefully then, look carefully then how you walk. Because Christ is shining the light, Because you're coming in here week after week and you're learning the truth of Jesus Christ, you're learning the ways of Jesus Christ, you're learning how to live in the image of Almighty God. He says you need to look very carefully as Christ shines this light and then you need to walk by this light. Not as unwise, but as wise. And so this morning's message is called The Wise Walk of Our Calling." There is a way to walk wise. What is the opposite of wise? Unwise or what? Foolish. Foolish. You got. You either are wise or you are... That's really your only two choices. And so the opposite of this is he's saying, don't walk like fools any longer. Don't walk like fools any longer. Now, don't get offended yet. We need to be offended by it because it's true. But he says don't walk like fools any longer because this is what comes natural to your flesh. But Christ is shining the light on your flesh and he's exposing this. And he's showing you the right way to walk. And so now based on your calling, if you're going to walk wise, then you've got to make sure that you don't walk like a fool anymore. And so I want to look and see what it means to be a fool or what it means to be unwise here. This is very important. In Psalm chapter 14, verse 1 through 3, I'm going to read this for you. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do uh, abominable deeds. There is none who does good. He's talking about the fools here, right? The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand and who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good. There is not even one. So based on that verse, here's what a fool is. The fool is someone who denies the existence of God. And you may be saying this morning, well, I don't deny the existence of God, but here's the thing about it. If you don't acknowledge His existence in a way that honors Him and gives Him thanks and follows Him because of who He is, then in effect, you are one who is denying God. In Romans chapter 1, he said, Because they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them over to their debased minds. In other words, it wasn't that they literally looked and said, I don't believe there is a God. They looked and they said, we deny that He is who He is and our hearts and our minds are more wise and we understand what we want and what we need so this is the direction we're going to walk and that, my friends, is a fool. That, my friends, is foolish. He said there's none who understand. These are people who deny God and they live as though He doesn't exist. They don't seek understanding. They don't seek God's ways. The only thing they do is they just get up out of their beds every day and they go to their jobs and they make their money and they come home and they get in their recliner or on their couch and they watch their TV and they go to bed at night after maybe they take a bath and brush their teeth and then they get up the next morning and they do it all over again. And that, my friends, is foolish. He says here that they're not seeking God. They're not seeking to understand the ways of God. So, And you might remember in Romans chapter 1 last week, it said that although they knew God from all creation, it says that it was impossible to look at creation and not know that there is a Creator. And the Bible says in Romans 1 that although they knew God, they refused to honor Him and give Him thanks. And instead, they became futile in their thinking, meaningless, purposeless in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened, and they lacked in understanding. And so ultimately... The fool is, from Romans chapter 1, that denies, even though the evidence is there, that God is who He says He is. I'm not going to seek Him. I'm not going to try to understand His ways. I'm going to walk my life and I'm going to do my own thing. The fool is not necessarily somebody that's just in a worldly evil of some kind. The fool is somebody that's just walking through this life, living their life day by day, just doing what they want to do. And that is the fool. And so in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2, let's see what else it says. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. Let me say that one more time. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. In other words... He is somebody or she is somebody that I'm not going to seek the ways of God. I'm not going to follow God. I don't want to learn. I don't want to understand. But you need to hear what I have to say. My heart, my mind is wise. And again, in Romans chapter 1, he said, professing to be wise, they became fools. In other words, they looked at it and they said, this is wisdom. You want to know why we have the abortion bills coming up today that we do, as ungodly as they are? The reason being is because to them it looks wise. And they call it wise. And the Bible says that professing to be wise, they became fools. Because instead of seeking and understanding the way of God, they chose their own heart and their own mind. And they said, well listen, a woman needs to have a right over her own body. And the child doesn't matter. This life doesn't matter. It's not even really a child. And so ultimately, they became futile in their thinking. They became darkened in their understanding. And they began to walk by their own wisdom, which actually is foolish. This is the world that you live in today. You live in a world of fools. I don't mean that to be funny. I don't mean that to be derogatory. I mean that to be true. You live in a world of people that don't want the way of God, don't want to understand God, and the only thing they want to do is express their own opinion, walk their own mind, follow their own heart, and do what they want to do. And he said here that this is the foolish way. A couple more. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. He says, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, and I'm only getting a few of them here. Proverbs is loaded, and Ecclesiastes is loaded, Psalms is loaded. You can pick them out as many as you want. But in uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15, he says, Folly or foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. This is the way we are born, this is our nature. This is what we come up with. I don't want direction. I don't want authority. I don't want you to tell me what to do and how to do it. I know what's best for me, and my heart knows what makes me happy. So, Mom and Dad, get out of my life and let me make my own decisions. Amen? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Foolishness. This foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and that's the reason. Parents, y'all better listen to this. I'm not trying to be some old fat, yeah I am, yeah I am, yeah I am, but the ride of discipline drives it far from him. You want to get foolishness out of the heart of that child, you better get ready to, to, to start whipping. Let, let me tell you, my, my Sunday school teachers here know that if my boy acts up, you know what they're to do? Maybe you don't want that. That's fine. That's your child. But I want foolishness out of my child's heart. Amen. Amen. I don't want it there. I want my child to understand authority. I want my, underst- my child to understand that he needs to be taught, that he needs to be directed, that he needs to ha- have help making his decisions. And he can't just do this on his own. And if he does, there are consequences for it. Yeah. And parents, you need your children to understand the same thing. You don't want them to be fools Here's your answer. Proverbs chapter 1, verse five, verses 1 through 7. Let's read these real quick. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7, because this is where wisdom comes from. You've seen foolishness, alright? Foolishness is, I don't want God, I don't want His understanding, I don't want direction, I can follow my own mind, I can follow my own heart, I know what's best for me, right? That's fool. Now let's go to the wise. What is the wise? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. So the wise is exactly the opposite, right? The wise says, I want to hear. I want to increase in learning. I know that my ways are not the best ways, and so I want to learn. And the wise is also the one who understands and obtains guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And then in verse 7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Or other translations say the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You want to be wise? The fear of the Lord is where it begins. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so wisdom is someone who says... I want to learn the right way. That is someone who... And it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It starts with us understanding that there is discipline, that there is suffering, there is consequences of being a fool. It's the same way with the ride of the parent driving out the foolishness of the child. That child learns that there are consequences, that there is suffering when it comes to making my own decisions. The fear of... Mom and dad are the beginning of wisdom for the child. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom for the Christian. And we need to understand that as a child of God, we come into this thing as fools. But wisdom says, I want to increase in understanding. I want to increase in instruction. Wisdom then turns, it starts out as a healthy fear of the Lord, but then it turns to understanding and it desires instruction. So again, it begins, it turns because it saw the wrath of God on its life. That was the beginning of wisdom that caused it to turn away from evil. But then it it progresses into understanding and desiring instruction for God. So you don't live your whole life being scared of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then it progresses into, I want to be obedient to Him. So Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight or understanding. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning, and then the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it moves from a fear into now I learn from him. Now I understand his ways. I understand where my ways led. And now I understand where his ways lead. And then in um, Proverbs chapter 19 verse 20. This is the last proverb I'll give you. He says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. And then finally in Job 28 verse 28. This will be the last one to define wisdom for you. I need to define the two. I need you to see the difference between the two for you to understand Ephesians and what Paul is talking about. And he said to man, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. And so here's the difference. Very simply, I've just just laid it all out for you. The fool... And foolish ways are the one that denies and to acknowledge God. I know what's best. My heart knows what's best. And you may not necessarily say that, but you live that away. I know what's best. My heart knows what's best. I know what I need to do. I know what I don't need to do. And therefore, that's the path I'm going to follow. Listen, the Bible will tell you today, you're a fool. You're a fool. And the reason you're a fool... It's because you don't understand the consequences of that life. But on the other hand of this thing, wisdom says, I see the consequences. I have a healthy fear of the Lord. I know the wrath of God that comes with being a fool. And I know that my ways are not His ways. I know that He did not create me for me to live according to my pleasures and my desires, my heart and my mind, but He created me to live for Him. And so wisdom says, I'm going to seek him, I'm going to understand him, I'm going to learn from him, I'm going to follow him. That's the difference in the wise man and the fool. That's listen the way Jesus put it. At the, um, I didn't give you this scripture, but I think it's Matthew chapter 7, somewhere around the 30s, uh, the verses. But he said, anyone who hears these sayings of mine or these teachings of mine, this is Jesus talking, anyone who hears these teachings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the rains came and the storms came and they beat on that house, that house did not fall because it was founded on the rock. But to the one who hears these teachings of mine and does not do it, I will liken him to the foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came and the storms came and the winds came and they beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. So you see, no matter where you go in Scripture, the difference between the wise and the foolish is the foolish does what he wants to do, what his wisdom, his heart and his mind tells him and the wise man follows God and he acknowledges God and he listens to God and he seeks God for every decision that he makes. That's the difference. Now with that mindset, go back with me to Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse um, 13 again. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 13, he says, But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the deadness of your sin, and Christ will shine on you and expose, right? And He'll expose the darkness. And if He shines on you and He's exposing your darkness, then your next duty comes from verse 15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as a fool, but as a wise man because Christ is exposing it. He's showing it to you. Now, if you're going to walk wisely and worthy of your call, you've got to follow what he exposes, what he teaches you, what he shows you. And then we go into verse 16 because we have to ask the question, how do we walk wisely? How do we walk wisely? Well, the first thing he says in verse 16, you make the best use of the time. You make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Did you know that you have an allotted amount of time to live? Right now. Your life is like an hourglass that has already been flipped upside down and the sand has already started coming through. And when the sand runs out, you can't buy another moment. You you can't beg for another moment. When the sand is gone and time has run out, now you stand accountable for how you used this time. Time is a precious thing. Jonathan Edwards said that time is precious because... It affects all eternity. Literally, all of your eternity is going to be based on what you did with this time right now. How precious is that time if all of your eternity is based on this right here? Time is precious. Time is precious because you don't know how much of it you have. There's no guarantee that you're going to live to be 80 years old. There's no guarantee you'll make it to to retirement. My dad was three months out of retirement. Three months. He worked 44 years, I believe it was, at American Magato, uh, out on the floor. He worked 44 years and then was going to play golf, was going to enjoy his retirement. He got to enjoy three months of it. Three months. And at 63 years old, He was gone. You don't know how much time you have, and time is precious because you cannot recover what is already gone. You can't. If all of eternity is based on what you're doing with it right now, you can't recover what you've already lost. And for some of us, listen: if I live to be eighty, my battery. My battery percentage is at 50% right now. That's where I'm at. Where's yours land at? How much time do you have left? You can't recover what's already gone. And so Paul says if you're going to live wise, you're going to make the best use of the time because the days are evil. The days are evil. And the days are being used for evil. And so here's what he's saying here. Some versions say redeem the time. You know what it means to redeem something? It means to buy it back. It means to take it back. It means to rescue something from a negative condition. And here's what he's saying. Time right now is being used for what? Time is being used for evil. And so if you're going to be wise then you're going to rescue this time back and you're going to take whatever time you have left and you're going to ransom it and you're going to rescue it so that it can be used for good. So that it can be used for the glory of God because all of your eternity is based on what you do in this time. And so he says, make the best use of the time because the days are evil. Peter put it this way. In 1 uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, look what he says. He says, since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. In other words, arm yourself with the mind that understands that I will have to suffer as a Christian in this world. He says, arm yourself with the same way of thinking, for whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. In other words, if you're you're still sinning, you're not struggling with your flesh, you're just doing what your heart and mind wants to do. But if you're suffering in this world, it's because you're fighting with your sin. It's because you're struggling and you're at war. And so he says here, you do this so as to live for the rest of what? So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human pleasures, but for the will of God. And then look what he says in verse 3. For the time that is past, what? What does it mean? It suffices? Can't get it back. It's gone it or what? It's good, it's good enough. It's enough. It's enough. Listen, if you have spent your time living as a fool following your own... I'm not talking about some great sin that you've been some great adulterer that you've stolen and robbed banks and you've killed people. and I'm not talking about that. Yes, those are evil and those are things too that he's talking about. But I'm talking about the fool is somebody that just denies the existence of God and says, I'm going to follow my own heart, my own mind, do my own thing. For those of you that have been there, he says here, for the time that is past, doing that, it's enough. It's enough. You've already, This time was made for God. Don't use it for you and for evil. But instead, understand that it's enough to do what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, lawless, idolatry. And then go on to verse 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery or ungodly living, is what he says. And they malign you, but they will give an account. Y'all listen to this. But they will give an account to him who is what? Guys, he's ready right now. Right now. He is ready for you to give your account. He's prepared. He says he is ready and they will give an account to him who is ready to judge the living being the ones that have been spiritually awakened and the ones that are dead in their sin. For this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead. He's not talking about going down into the grave. He means the deadness of sin. This is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead that though judged in the flesh the way people are they might live in the spirit the way God does. The whole purpose for the gospel. do you hear that? This is why the gospel was preached to you when you were dead. So that by the spirit of God you can now live the way that God does because any time that you have already spent living in the flesh, guess what? It's enough. It's enough. And so going back to Ephesians, he says to you, if you're going to live wisely, then you are going to redeem the time because the days are evil. Take back the time that you have and live for the glory of God. I love the way that... um, Jesus put this in the Gospel of John. In the Gospel of John chapter 9. The Gospel of John chapter 9, I think it's verse 4 if you find it, Nathan. Gospel of John chapter 9, verse 4, Jesus said, We must do the works of the one who sent me. I think it, here it is. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Now listen to that. He didn't say, I must work the works of the one who sent me. What did he say? In other words, guys, we have a work to do. We have a great work to do. You are here to live and be a living reflection of the glory of Almighty God. You're here to walk in goodness, to walk in humility, to walk in gentleness, kindness, tender-hearted, forgiving, forbearing. All of these things that he's been talking about, telling the truth and not lying, um, working honestly with your hands that is good and not stealing, giving to those that have need and being a giver. And he names on and on and on through this thing. This is the kind of life that you are to live for the glory of God. And he says here that we must, not we can or we might, we must work the works of him who sent me. Who sent Jesus? God did. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. What does that tell you? First thing it tells you is you have a great work to do. I don't think you understand how great this work is that you do. You look at it and you go, well... I might be good, I might be bad, but I'll give an account for it and we'll just get it measured out on that day. I don't think you understand. I don't think you get it. You have a great work to do. Listen, God is serious about His glory. And when you rob Him of it here, there will be a price to be paid. And so He says here, We must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Here's the second thing. First thing, you've got a great work. That you've got to do this, ain't my message, so if you're taking notes, write it down, but this ain't this ain't even on my notes. So we must work the works of the one. There is a great work that we have to do, and we must do it. And then look what he says next. While it is day. In other words, you have an allotted time. Guys, you only have a little bit of time to do it. You only have some of you only got a little time left we got to do it, and we got to do it today. Whatever time you've spent living for you, it's enough. And so redeem this time. The days are evil. Get the time back for the glory of God. He says, while it is day, and here's why. Night is coming. Guys, night is coming. You know what he means there? Death is on its way. And you know what happens when death comes? That's it that's it you know one of the hardest things that we do as pastors is funerals because we're expected every time somebody dies to stand up and tell everybody that they're in heaven and that they have um, that they've lived such a good life and they were this and they were this and they were this and the truth of the matter is a lot of times that's just not the case A lot of times the evidence was that while it was day, they didn't do the works of the one who sent him. While it was day, they did their own thing. They did what they wanted to do. They enjoyed their life. They didn't redeem the time. And at that moment, it's done. That's it. There is no more opportunity Jonathan Edwards, when he was preaching a message, this 1700s preacher, but he was preaching a message on this, um, redeeming the time. He, he invited people. He said, come with me to the deathbed. He said, come with me to the deathbed of the man that owns it all. He said, you know what he'll do? He will give you everything he owns just for another moment of what? Time. Time. In other words, there is nothing more valuable than time. Come with me to the deathbed and you see that everything your heart goes after is sinking sand, that it don't hold up because when the time comes that it is running out and you're on your last grain of sand, you would trade it all for just a moment of more time. Redeem the time. If you're going to be wise, redeem the time. Take it back. What is the work that God has given you to do? To live for His glory. Do that work and redeem the time. (coughs) In um, Ephesians chapter uh, 5, again, we're going to read verses 3 through 14 very quickly. The second point, my first point was make the best use of the time. Redeem the time. The second point is this if you're going to live wisely, don't be foolish. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Remember what we said a fool was? A fool was someone that didn't understand. A fool was someone that didn't want to know the will of the Lord. Didn't want to know the way of the Lord. So he says here in verse um, 17, and we'll go back to Ephesians 5:3 here in a minute. But he says here in verse 17, therefore, if you're going to redeem the time, therefore do not be foolish anymore, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Well, how do we know what the will of the Lord is? Listen, Jesus shines on you and He shows you this don't belong, this does belong. You don't live this way, but you live this way. And all of Ephesians chapter 4 and 5 has been about this is the will of the Lord. So in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3 through 14, He's telling them that you need to walk as children of light. This is the will of the Lord. And the way you do that is this right here. But sexual immorality and in, uh, and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And I'm going to step on your toes this morning. But it's because I want you to redeem the time. It's because you have a work that must be done. It's because you have the day right now to do it. And so listen closely. You know what the Greek word is that we get, but sexual immorality must not be named among you? The Greek word is called this, pornea. Ring a bell? The word that we translate sexual immorality is pornea. Porn. It's where we get our word porn today. Do you know why we call it Porn. Because every bit of it that you look at, no matter what it is, is sexual immorality. Any sex that is outside of the design of God's glorified purpose. God said, this is what sex is. This is what it represents. This is how it displays the image of Almighty God. And anything outside of that marital design, he says, is immoral. Now that's hard. I'm talking to people that struggle with porn addictions and today 9 out of 10 people that you line up, mostly men but women too 9 out of 10 people that you line up, that is a struggle for them and listen, yes we need to be ashamed of it but at the same time I want you to understand something, we're sexual beings that's what we are that's what our desires come. This one right here is named in every book that he named. He don't give you an exhaustive list of these are things that you need to, but this one is in every one. Every one of them. And he wants you to understand that sex is a huge issue for us, and rightfully so. This is We were created for procreation. We were created for this enjoyment. And so what he wants you to understand is that if it's not bringing God glory, then you need to let Christ expose this and you need to do the work of God while it is day. And this is important. And not only just sexual immorality, but all impurity. All impurity. Let's keep going through these real quick. Verse 4. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. In other words, don't let your mouth be used for, um, for, for, for foolishness and for things that are crude and cruel and joking, but instead let your mouth be a tool for thanksgiving. For thanksgiving. And then look at verse 5. What's the first word of verse 5? 4. Here's why you can't let any of this be named among you. Listen to me, people, please. The scariest verses in the Bible are this. They will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not do that? Did we not do this? And he looks at them and says, I never knew you. Scariest verses in the Bible. They thought he was their Lord. For you may be sure of this, that everyone... Who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous? That is, another word for that is greed. In other words, they can't get enough of the world. Everything they got to do, I got to have more, 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 more. And they're storing up for what? Nothing. You may be sure that everyone who falls into this category has what? No inheritance in the kingdom of christ and god in other words christ shone on their sleepful state christ shone his light on their darkness christ showed his light on their deadness of their sin and they loved darkness more than light and the evidence was that they remained in these things they said i see the work i'm supposed to do i know where i'm supposed to go i love him i praise him i i pray to him i talk to him and He said, listen, the problem is I shined the light on your darkness and you did nothing. Now, please don't be mad at me saying that today. I'm talking to you teenagers today. A big majority of teenagers today are sexually immoral. I would say 90% or more of your world today is living in sexual immorality. It's not even a big deal to us anymore. And I don't mean to just harp on this one. he got a whole lot he names in here. Lying, stealing, there are so many different things. There are areas in my job that I've got to get to work on because I don't. I'm not as truthful as I should be in certain areas of my work. Am I talking to anybody? Maybe stealing. I'm just being honest with you. And so the point being is you may be sure of this, that everyone... Who has the light shine on their darkness. And God says this is not light. This is darkness. When he shines it and then we look at it and go. "Eh, It's okay. And we make covenants with it. And we make agreements with it. And we just continue to walk in it and love it. He says here. They have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ. Ain't that scary? I don't know about y'all but that's scary. That could be me. Am I exempt because I'm a pastor? No, I'm not. And so I need to make sure that I take warnings like this in the Bible very seriously and understand that I don't need to be foolish anymore, but I need to understand what the will of the Lord is. And the will of the Lord is your sanctification. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1-8. through 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 through 8. It's a whole other book, but listen to what he says. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Can you get any more plain than this? For this is the will of God. Listen, your sanctification. Literally, your growth in holiness. Your progression in coming out of darkness into the light. And here is what that looks like. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgresses and wrongs his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. What has God called you for? The will of God is your sanctification, guys. Verse 8, Therefore... Whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God who gives His Holy Spirit to you for that very purpose. You have His Holy Spirit because His will is your sanctification. You have the call and the gospel in your life because His will is that you come out of darkness into the light, that you come out of deadness into life. And anybody that disregards this does not disregard man. Listen, you can leave here today. Listen closely. You can leave here today and never call, never come back. And I promise you, you've not disregarded me. You have not disregarded me. But let me tell you who you did disregard. You disregarded the God of all creation. And He's ready to judge right now. But there's still day. And so we must work the works of Him who sent me while it is still day. Because night is coming when no one will be able to work. The last point. The last one I'll give you. <clears throat> Don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Last uh, comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. He says, if you're going to walk wisely, you've got to redeem the time. The days are evil. Take it back for the glory of God. And if you're going to redeem the time and take it back, then don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then finally, if you're going to understand what the will of the Lord is, then you're not going to do it getting drunk on wine. This is exactly what he means. See, in this day and time, the pagan religions and all the heathen religions literally use wines and any other kind of drug to bring themselves into the spirit realm. This is the way they connected with their worship, their drunkenness. Paul had to address this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. They were literally at the Lord's supper table getting ready to share in the communion of the Lord's broken body and death and they were getting drunk. And Paul said, listen, this ain't the way we do this. This ain't the way this goes down. Now I'm not here to tell you that even though I am a teetotaler, I am a person that completely abstains from alcohol because I believe the Bible teaches that it's not wise. I'm not going to tell you today that the Bible says you can't have a drink. I'm not going to do that because it don't. It does not teach that. But I am going to tell you the Bible teaches that it's a serpent waiting to bite you. That nothing good comes from it. Matter of fact, this verse says, do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery. Another version says, do not get drunk with wine because this leads to ungodly living. This is where it leads. And so because I know where it leads, because I know where it goes, because I know the result of this thing, I myself am a teetotaler. I stay away from it. But on the other hand, you may very well be able to take a drink and it not be anything sinful about it. That's the truth. But I would advise you to listen to the scripture where it says it's not wise. It's not wise. And you would be much better. The Bible actually says it is not for kings and princes to drink wine. It actually says to the priest in the Old Testament, don't let any intoxicating drink touch your lips because you have to decipher between right and wrong. In other words, it affects your judgment. And so what he says here is don't get drunk with wine, but instead, because this leads to godless living, and we're calling yourselves away from godless living, we're trying to redeem the time, right? We're trying to not walk in foolishness. Have you ever met a drunk that lived uh, 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 godly in his drunkenness? You ever met a drunk that made good decisions in his drunkenness? Not for the most part. I hadn't so he says, don't get drunk with wine because this is debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. I'm running out of time, but here's the point. If you're going to redeem the time, all right? If you're going to not be foolish, and you're going to understand the will of the Lord and make good decisions between right and wrong, If you're going to do those things and walk wisely in the calling which he's called you, because you can be sure of this, no one that's walking like a fool will inherit the kingdom of God, right? Right. If you're going to do this, then he says, don't get drunk with wine. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. And instead instead of being filled with wine, be filled with the Spirit of God. This is not another baptism of the Spirit or you got to get more of Him in you. This is literally a word that means to let your sail out and to actually take what everything that He throws at you. You consume everything the Spirit directs you in. You follow His every move. You listen and you are attentive to every word that He speaks to you. You are filled with the Spirit of God and He helps you to understand the will of the Lord. He helps you to walk wisely in this evil day as you take back the time because you ain't got but so much left to do the works of the One that sent you. Does that make sense? I'm gonna end right there this morning. I urge you. I'm going back to Ephesians 4 verse 1. I urge you, I beg you, I plead with you to walk worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Because you can be sure of this. No fool will inherit the kingdom of God. But only those who have understood the fear of the Lord and that fear of the Lord has led them to learn more of His ways and those that are trusting in the Spirit and full of the Spirit and they're walking in the Spirit and they're following His ways. If that does not describe your life, I'm telling you today, you are outside of the will of God. But I have good news. It's still day. For you, right now, it's still day. And you can take whatever it is that he's pointed out this morning and you can turn it around and you can make it right. And I promise you, there will be no better decision you will ever be able to make. Jesus said, repent now for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's here. It's right now. And so I'm begging you this morning, you hear the word of God and you walk wisely in the calling to which you've been called.